This is the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. Alright, we are back in the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. Uh, Tim actually has been kidnapped, so filling in again for Tim is the Reverend Bo Bonner. Reverend? Kidnapped? Yeah, you know, the... Uh... He, he's had some really interesting takes the last few times we got a chance to listen to him. Yes, he uh, made one too many ladies at coffee hour mad with his comments on this podcast. So <laughs> we're trying to work out a fair ransom. You know, we're at the bartering stage. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Bo, I decided to have you on to talk about another new movie since Tim doesn't watch new movies, and that new movie movie is Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, a real that, comedy, a real light-hearted, yeah, very, you know, yeah. r- romance. Well, in some ways, it is a comedy, right? And it is. Romance. It's actually a very great comedy. <laughs> right. So I want to just give a little bit of background so I can set up what I believe will be my measured but real criticisms. Okay? Sounds good. I love Frances McDormand. Okay? Like. Yeah. I've always loved her. I don't think I've ever seen her in a movie. You know, I, mean, I haven't seen every movie she's been in, but every movie she's been in, I've loved her in. Um, even down to her little cameo as the film lady in uh, Hail, Hail Caesar. Caesar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So far be it from me to, to like criticize her. I also love the premise of this movie. The, a woman, her daughter is raped and murdered, and she wants justice in a small town that's very... Um, you know, setting its ways and parochial and all that, right? Yep. Great. I'm on board. I like Sam Rockwell. I like a lot of the supporting actors. I love Woody Harrelson. So I'm, I'm bought in. I talked about it on your show, your wonderful show on Iowa Catholic Radio, how much I was looking forward to it. So. Great music, by the way. Let's not forget this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And who is the guy? What's his name? Uh, isn't the Coen Brothers music guy? Yeah, it might be, but okay. I mean, uh, just just having uh, Towns Van Zandt's buckskin uh, blues, and then like having the gal redo it at the end. Perfect. Sure, anyway, sure. go ahead. The the the, sa- the soundtrack, the score, fantastic. No no complaints. Okay, I get into the theater. I walk in maybe thirty seconds late because uh, you know late ticket counter was not cooperating. Whatever, and I sit down and I'm ready for this. I've been waiting for it. It finally did it. And I did not, I was not prepared for what I was going to see on that screen. So <laughs> I just, I don't want, you know, I don't want it to sound like I'm ripping this movie because I'm not. I think it's worth seeing for sure. And I don't like to judge a movie until I see it twice at least. So I'm not doing that. But I was not prepared. And I did not, I can't even say I really liked it that much. Like I liked it more than I didn't like it. I think it's worth seeing, but I didn't fall in love with it in the way I was hoping to. So, Bo is going to play the defense attorney, and I'm going to be the prosecutor. That's weird, because in my private practice, I never get to prosecute. So I'll probably suck at it, and that's fine, because I want to like the movie. So here we go. Well, hey, yeah, and look, look, to invert your order a bit, like, this is one of my strongest firm tins that i would give literally this is to me this movie is an absolute tin so right. I'm, I'm interested in hearing why why and we and we, we basically agree i mean 90 percent of the time i think our tastes are very similar so right i'm pretty sure that you will win and i'm pretty sure that i will end up liking this movie a lot and i've already started liking it more like just having distance from it now but right I'm, I'm gonna start if you don't mind with a quote 
from Rex Reed. I, I talked to you about this off the air, and I know we're not on the air. Yeah. But he is a film critic who, God rest, you know, his soul potentially someday. He's not dead yet. <laughs> okay. God bless him. He may have passed his sell-by date in some ways. I read some of his reviews, and I think, did you did you actually watch the movie, first of all? <laughs> right, and right. if you did, you're just a cantankerous old, you know, beep, right? Great. Yeah. So this, this falls in that category. Unfortunately, I agree with it. So I'm going to start by reading a couple paragraphs here. This is Mr. Reed, not me. I didn't like Three Billboards, but I respect McDonough, the, the director. His, is am I saying that right, McDonough? I'm yeah, bad with so. Irish pronunciation. Okay. For taking this, his lewd, vulgar screwballs in directions without a compass and leaving viewers wondering where in the world the film will go next. These are horrible people. And I think you agree with that, Bo, right? Yes, yes. Who, back, to the, back to the quote. Who are so insane that they inspire fear, but unpredictable enough to give a new slant to crime and mendacity. There's plenty of uncontrolled violence, so much and so heinous, that whole scenes are harder to watch than a gangster flick. When Mildred visits a dentist's office and cusses up a storm, she drills a hole through the dentist's fingernail with, the instrument, with his uh, instrument of torture. Some people in the theater screamed and others laughed. The film is uneven in every way, but the big failure is writer-director's inability to keep the story coherent. Like everything he writes, Three Billboards wobbles unsteadily between edgy, repulsive violence and edgy, unstable black comedy and both sides of the equation losing balance in a slick morass of moral collapse. <laughs> so, Bo. Yeah. He ends it with this quote. McDonough's characters leave you thinking and staggering in the dark at the same time. That's how I felt, and that's why I'm saying this. Like, I like black comedies. I, I love the Coen brothers, okay? They're, they're by far my favorite directors and writers. And this has very much that, that vibe to me. But unlike the Coen Brothers films, I I wasn't sure how to take certain scenes. For example, I like there's one scene in particular. Spoilers out the window at this point, okay? Yeah. Where she um, what's her name? Frances McDormand. Do you know her name? In the Mildred. 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 Oh, thank you. Yeah. Mildred is confronting the sheriff, who's played by Woody Harrelson, and the sheriff is dying of cancer or whatnot. Yes. And she's given him the business pretty good, and then he coughs up blood in her face, right? Yes. And in a, in a moment, she becomes a sweet, tender mother figure. One of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Yes. No, so 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 I'm already I'm playing. I can't not be a defense attorney. I, I this is actually was one of my favorite scenes too. Yeah. And it totally worked for me, okay? Because I can see that in her, her her anger, her love manifests itself as anger toward him for what's happened to her daughter. And she's not really even mad at him. She's more just mad at the, the tragedy. Right. And then it becomes a love for him as a person, right? And that, yeah. that to me, worked totally. That scene stands out, though, because in other scenes, I, it didn't work for me at all. So that's my, my first complaint. And, and another scene that, that gives me that is, is, I'm sure we'll talk about, she rips a Catholic priest for the priestly abuse scandal in a way that made yes. me feel physically uncomfortable in the theater. Yes. Um, because everyone was, I don't know where, where you saw it, but people in the theater were hooting and hollering at her like she was, a, you know, the champion of the, the common man. And right. it's hard to be mad because in a way, you know, I feel the same way. But it was that tonal, that tonal disparity between her righteous anger, her black comedy, her tenderness, it, it didn't always work for me. So please, step up and, and defend this movie. Well, so I think the movie shows its cards very early on. Someone at the very beginning is reading Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, and it's clear yeah. 
that this is evoking the and ghost of Flannery and O'Connor. And it's a blatant placement. It's not. Yes. It's not hidden. Yeah. It's, it's almost on the nose, right? Yes. And so, what is Flannery the queen of? But um, giving like a, a sort of southern grotesque, uh, you know change of speed you know people often like read flannery o'connor and think like what she's doing is trying to gross you out but for her the main plot engine is the, the sort of reversing it's almost like downshifting or upshifting when you're not supposed to right mm-hmm. so either events are going along in a flannery o'connor short story and all of a sudden you're like when did we switch to overdrive or you're speeding down the highway and she throws the throttle down into second right that's the feeling Flannery O'Connor gives you. This is a movie full of those types of scenes whose purpose is not to leave you going home feeling um, narratively complete. Uh, Like you're supposed to, these things are supposed to stick in your mind. And so this sort of idea that, um, you know, Mr. Old Fogey is calling sort of like, uh, what did he say? Um, Unequal or like uh, out of, out of balance. Um, I think the, yeah, the the point is to make you unbalanced. And whereas, like, you know, like, what is it, like, the Dutch directors will, like, you know, film movies where not everyone is cleanly in the box, right, or it's at an angle. You know, there's ways to, like, visually make people feel claustrophobic or um, off-kilter. Um, this does this with narrative switches, right? So, like, in the, the, the coughing of blood, right, it's, a, it's an absolute shift away from... And, and, and what's great is like in that scene, their their verbal sparring and how they're going to outwit each other is some of the greatest part of the movie. And all of a sudden, that all fades away and goes away because of this human before her coughing blood up on her. This this person she's known her entire life, and it will switch back and forth doing that time and time and time again, and uh, in confounding expectations that you have, like what's going to happen. You know, in, 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 in some ways, it's being stereotypical on purpose. Like, of course, it's the midget with a drinking problem who's a used car salesman who has the most wisdom to give Mildred. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other hand, it deals with, like, really absolutely realistic problems like – she keeps pointing out, you guys need to stop beating, you know, uh, black people and actually look for my daughter's killer. And just so I think that all of that is intended and it can be incredibly jarring, but that the jarringness is uh, not a symptom, but actually done on purpose. OK, well said. I'm going to go ahead and say you win on that point. I agree with you. I think you're right. I think it is. I think it's supposed to be totally crazy and I get it. Great. Problem two. Okay. I just, I don't mind that. I don't mind that now. You've convinced me. But I just, there's something off to me that the scene with with McDormand and Harrelson was great with the blood. But there's other scenes that just don't feel to me like they're the way real people would act. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, but... They're southerners. They're 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 halfway between real and fake people. The people like that walk the earth in the south. But go ahead. Yes, keep going. Okay. In a way that when you know, and I go back to the Coens because they can do no wrong. But like, you know, the Coen brothers movies will have scenes that are jarring and that come out of nowhere and abrupt tonal shifts, and you're not sure if they're being ironic or sincere at certain points. But I feel like 
in a, in a way that this movie didn't. For some reason, I find the characters' actions a little more believable. And in this movie, I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't always hit for me in that way. Here's another example. What he, and I'm and this is like a big problem too. So I'll make this my big point number two, I guess. When when Woody Harrelson's dying, right? Yep. He's talking to his wife, and I'm not gonna say what he says to his wife, okay? Because yeah. it's very vulgar, and it was what his wife says back to him and stuff like that. Right. I I get what they're trying to do with that, and I get that you know the way I talk to my wife in our home or our bedroom is not necessarily the way I talk on this podcast always. Right. But it didn't feel like the way that two people would talk to each other in that situation where where the husband's dying. And then, spoiler alert again, out the window, when he when he kills himself, it, it's such a and I know where there's no heroes in this. I don't I don't know that we're supposed to laud his decision. I I don't I don't know that I believe that that's what that character as portrayed up until that point would do. Do you know what I mean? So like in isolation, you just said the plot points. I get it, but it just didn't always feel that 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 was the right decision for that character to me well so again i think that you're right i think that so there's two things because you kind of brought up two things the believability of the characters sort of in total and then in their specific actions i guess part of this is going to appeal to me more than other people because it's an irish person uh being all like you know black humored irish person then dealing with the black humor of southerners so like it, it was like hearing my uncle tell fanciful stories about a place. So it's not realistic, right? Everything is like written large and blown out of proportion. And so on one hand, like, you know, of course, you know, there's a midget. There's a, raci- <laughs> a racist mama's boy cop, right? Like, you know, there's there's all these characters. There's the, re- you know, the guy named Red is literally like, a, a ginger of all gingers, you know, like, and like, just as much as, uh, uh, Mildred is just this, like, tough as nails old broad, right? Like, every b- male character who has a bad girlfriend is just, like, dumb and 19 and, like, in a Corvette, you know? So, everything is written large. Everything is sort of, like, blown out of proportion. And so I think what you do as an audience, you expect that, okay, I, I know, how all these larger-than-life characters are going to act, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be heroic, or they're going to be tough as nails, or they're going to be dumb. And he always waits for the right moment to be like, oh, the brave cop kills himself. Um, the woman who throws Molotov cocktails at the police officers will actually have tender moments. The dumb bimbo will speak some of the most important words that she read off of a bookmark, right? It's like this sort of, again... Flannery O'Connor, like, grace coming from places, or or temptation, places that you don't expect, because you think that you will know. It's, it's almost like if I told you the events of this movie and what the characters are like, you have an expectation about how they're all going to end up, because you think you've heard this before. And they do a brilliant job. He does a brilliant job, in my mind, at just the right moments, making it where the characters don't act exactly how you think. And that this keeps compounding and, 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 and speaks in many ways to the overarching point that he's trying to drive at. Bo, oh. I don't like to do this because, first of all, it would be a completely, it would be just a sham of a trial since I'm obviously the judge and the prosecutor. And I don't like being wrong, but Bo, you're right. 
You're right. That's that's well said, man. No, they're they're not only they are kind of caricatures, and and the caricatures serve to add to what you said in the beginning, which is to to uh, to make the tonal shift and to undercut your expectations. That's great. Well, yeah. and another thing, you know, real quick, like a lot of what movies do and we don't notice is they try to char- make characters that they humanize. So then when in the plot they act like characters, we don't mind, right? right? We go like, oh, yeah, well, the hero saved the day, but we were given a backstory, so it humanized him. This movie does the opposite. It makes characters and then makes them more human, and it's very jarring, and it's like whiplash over and over again, inverting that. And I think that that's part of, like, the discomfort a lot of people feel. I agree, and that, and I, uh, yeah, I can see that. Just as a side criticism, I guess, I feel like we talked about this on our last Jedi podcast, how there are very real criticisms to be had of, you know, capitalism, for instance, but it, 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 it overdid it and it made it actually give a better case for capitalism by being so terrible. Right. I get that these, every cop basically except Woody is kind of racist or incompetent and a complete boob and all that sort of thing. I get that, and that's that's supposed to to be their caricature, so it can be undercut later. But I felt like it made a movie that could have been more of a timeless commentary on certain things feel kind of already dated and very like we're gonna we're gonna you know play into the lean in completely to the Ferguson effect where I it kind of it kind of took me out of this this well, larger type of story. Look, I know you're from St. Louis, so you're technically the South, but growing up in rural towns, I felt like this was timeless, because, (laughs) and here's the reason why, white people in rural towns think they're being non-racist when they're not actively doing something to a black person, and I felt like that's, this, this this town would brag to other towns, right, about like, how well everybody gets along. Because I, one of the, the critiques I've heard people say is like, well, you know, it's supposedly going to bring up racism, but then, like, the black people are just peripheral. And I'm like, guys, this movie is not about racism, and in many ways it's more realistic because that's how white people who think they're the good guys act in southern towns. Is they, they're like, we haven't done anything to a black person. I'm like, do you know where one currently is right now? Uh, I don't know. I... I, I on that regard, I, I thought that this was like, wow, someone told this Irish dude what it's like to be in a small town in the South. So, again, maybe two different perspectives on that one. But I actually thought that, like, they were more realistic than people realized. Yeah. I, I You know, I'm, I'm really – I mean, Missouri was in that middle zone, obviously, but I don't consider us really Southern, definitely. And St. Louis in particular has got a more of an East Coast kind of vibe. Uh, podunk as it actually is, um, but I'm gonna switch from from these larger type of general criticisms to these smaller ones, and the smallest of all, but also the one that, that hurt the most. Like I brought up earlier, which is the priest thing. Did that not bother you when yeah, she's ripping the priest? It, it did, and this is why I thought it was a brilliant like knife to the heart, right? Because it was, it was, it it was uncomfortable as a Catholic to listen to her say that and right when you and and everyone who laughed or like wooted at that moment um didn't get the movie and everybody who like that hurt their feelings got it 
And this is why. For Mildred, what she... So the priests were just a cipher for civilization in general, right? right. What, she's, what she's saying is, you guys all wear the colors of what... You know, so he, she was talking about the priests or gangs, but it's the police. The police it's yeah. everyone. Yeah, you all wear the colors, but when something goes wrong... You want to act like you don't belong to the problem. So she's obviously definitively – and th this all comes up, right, because the, the priest goes like, we're all for you, Mildred, you know, b you know, recovering from your grief, but we're not for you when it comes to the billboards. But it's not because, like, it's sinful or it's like this isn't – you know, this is revengeful. It's because Chief Willoughby is a good man, right? So the sort of religion that the priest is talking about at that time is very much like – respectable, you know, Borgie, let's all get along, instead of, like, redemption or anything like that. And so what she's she, she's throwing out is, like, you can't belong to civilized society, and then when something happens and you all ignore it, act like the wrath that is coming doesn't belong to you. So, sure, did the Irish guy, who probably has no love for priests, choose a very, you know, jarring one? Sure. Um, but he does this all over the place, so I don't think that it was, like, necessarily... Like, I don't think this is an anti-cop movie either, right? No. Um, but, and, and, I, so, and, and I just want to say that I think it, you know, it plays that way because it's so... And it does bother... I, I, can't, I can't lie. It does bother me because anti-Catholicism is such a... It's such an easy target now, and, it, and it's just so... It's so easy to, to do that pot shot where you could have used any other number of stand-ins for the priest character that are institutional, you know? And it would no, have had true. It would have had the same thematic effect without the the cheap shot feel. However, now, if, if, it were, if it were a Catholic director, like, if you made this movie, I would say you could put that scene in, and I wouldn't... I would feel totally different about it, because I know where you're coming from, so it's more of a you're, like you said, it's more of a suspicion and that's that's irritating me than the actual thing on the screen. Well, and I will say, right, isn't did his brother make Calvary, or does he just like is he just friends with uh, whatever that dude's name is who was the lead actor in Calvary? Calvary. Gleason. Gleason, yeah, yeah Gleason's I in a lot of his movies. I don't know that his brother made it. I'm, I, you know, there's some know, sort but... of relationship between those. Anyway, my point being is like. I don't think it was just a pot shot. Now, do I agree that, do I wish that he would have, like, done someone else? Yes, I would have. Um, but I, I, I don't think that it was just sheerly, like, let's take a dig. Um, and if I'm going to, like, be okay with other disturbing parts of the movie, like, I'm just not going to, like, act like I have to throw it out just because she happened to take a pot shot at something that I am. I guess that's what so, I'm saying. So, first of all, I agree, though. It is a pot shot, I think. And it's thematically appropriate. Um, and, and I think you're right. I think it was his brother actually that made it. But um, yeah, I, I I agree. So that that's that's a very minor criticism because, you know, unlike many pot shots now in, in of an anti-Catholic nature, this I think actually does add thematic relevance and it is a stand-in for society. And I think that that you know the, I'm getting it now. The the movie is and is, the movie is really about the problem of evil in the world, right? And so here's... the ineffectuality of of uh, our efforts, but our ne but the necessity of them. You know what I mean? So here's the deal. Because another one that, like, my friends, like, torch me on this one is this movie's nihilistic and it provides no hope and it provides oh, no solution. No, see, I totally disagree with that. But here, Yeah, so here's the deal. What this movie is to me is Hillbilly Iliad. It is Homer's Iliad told through the lens of a sort of 
rhetorical Flannery O'Connor in the South. This movie is about Mildred's wrath and what it takes to exhaust the wrath of Mildred. And every part of this movie, even to taking pot shots at the priest, right? Because the Iliad takes pot shots at the gods left and right, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, and Homer is considered sort of like the quasi Bible of the Greeks, but the, the, the question all throughout the Iliad is, do the, co- do the gods care about humans? And if they do, is it fair? Mm-hmm. You know, there's this overarching idea about like, what is man that the gods treat us this way? But this move, I mean, it even like Mildred, like they say this, like one of the, the opening scene, um, music in the score is called Mildred Goes to War. And the, the, and Sheriff Willoughby says this, right? We're, uh, this is the start of a war, right? So her wrath and all that she will do for the sake of her dead Patroclus, who happens to be her daughter, it, I mean, she does insane things, right? It is insane to throw Molotov cocktails at the police station when everyone will know who it's his. Ex- explain how. Yeah, like, please tell me how that's insane. Yeah, no, um, or like drilling the hole in the thumb. I mean, she is Achilles, and everybody left and right is amazed at the sort of like power of her wrath and how everything that she is willing to do and is capable of, right, uh, and her sort of inability to be stopped. Now, it's not like this one-to-one ratio. It's not like when the Coens made Oh Brother, Where Art Thou and made it like the Odyssey. I'm not saying – I don't no. even know if they meant to do this. I'm just saying that this is the lens that I saw it through. Now, they're willing to subvert things, right? So Willoughby is obviously the Hector character, you know, the, 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 you know, the Trojans in Homer – um, are on the side of civilization. And every time you have a student read it, they all come to this realization, right? This book that they thought was about the Greek heroes and how wonderful war is and how cool the Greeks are actually is a book where you side with the Trojans and you wish Hector doesn't die because Hector is a good man who has a wife and kids. And, and all of this comes down to, right, her sort of central thing. What she says is you can't be a part of something and absolve your, yourself when that civilization goes astray, which is Achilles' point, right? Like, you guys might all be the better people. The Trojans might be civilized. But Paris went and stole Helen, and now you have to deal with the fate of all of this. Mm-hmm. And left and right, what I just see is Mildred's wrath. And do you go, will Mildred's wrath ever dissipate? And then what is it that does it? One is a midget who is obviously cast as, like, the, char- the the clown character, as it were. Uh, Peter Dinklage, by the way, does a fantastic job in that role. And, you know, he says, like, I might, I know who I am and I know what my problems are, but, you know, what's your problem? And when she picks up that wine bottle, you think she's going to go, like, kill her husband in a restaurant. And instead she says, treat her nice, right? Treat, treat your girlfriend nice. And then you think that they're all going to go kill this dude in Idaho, but you realize that, like, her wrath is past, and actually it takes the person who forgives her for basically catching his face on fire for her to have her wrath eventually ex- exhausted. So at any rate, that's the lens that I see through all of this, and this is why I think all of these sort of tonal shifts and whiplash and all of that is ultimately worth it and not nihilistic. So I, I think that your theory is, is very good, and it... And you, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you have answered a lot of my criticisms. Uh, joking aside, I think you win the case. And you ju- you just brought it home for me. The, the, my favorite part of the movie, other than the relationship with her and Woody Harrelson, 
is her relationship with the Rockwell character, who is the buffoon of all buffoons and the racist yeah. of all racists. Um, and it ends in such a sweet way, despite the fact that they're, you know, purportedly on a, on a mission to kill this guy. We know they're not going to do it. Um, right. And a movie about the problem of evil and our ineffectual efforts to fight it or our, our like our sloth in fighting it. A revenge caper, basically. How do we right this this wrong by finding who killed this this poor girl and kill him? Is ended with the most beautiful and touching scene of two characters who have wronged each other significantly, completely forgiving each other without any conditions. Right. And it's fantastic. The the yeah. the, the ending is just so beautiful. Like I, she's like. Dixon, I have something to tell you. I was the one who lit the fire. And he's like, well, who the hell else would have done it? If, yeah, so good. So good. So, yeah. Bo, as you've talked, the criticisms, which were already dissipating, have almost withered to nothing. And my rating is shot up by, I will say, several decimal points. So, Bo, what is your rating of this film? You said it was a 10, but are you sure? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure. I, I I think that, you know, I can understand people being, um, having criticisms to certain parts, but um, I, I would tell anyone that this movie's, I, I'm just absolutely impressed with this movie, Tim. So, it is very tonally jarring, it's very vulgar, it's violent, yes. and it's probably not for everybody, but for people of our inclinations i think it it is it's a great movie and i would give it a nine at this point just because i'm reserving some of my objections but that's up from like a seven as i walked out of the theater so it's probably and i would say it's it's at least in my top three that i've seen so far for 2017 hopefully i'll get to see a couple more but you know like a movie like i don't want to get into my my end of the year rankings because i'd like to have you on to do that sometime but like a movie like dunkirk right yeah technically perfection to me can't criticize it in any way left me with no ill feeling of at all you know what i mean like none of these criticisms i would say toward that but it also didn't didn't move me it didn't make me love it you know what i mean yeah this movie i can see over the years of becoming one of my favorites even though right now i'm still a little uneasy it 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 definitely makes an impression on you and it's one that you want to revisit well, another way that I'll put this is, like, Lady Bird, which, I don't know, even when I watched it and had me on, fine, I thought it was complete trash. People <laughs> love that movie, and I would say that you will learn more about grace and redemption in this movie, which has a character trash Catholic priests. You will learn more than what Lady Bird uh, served up, which in the end to me is that Catholicism can make you thankful, Steve. It'll make you thankful <laughs> for your mom and dad working hard. Isn't that great? <laughs> That's a heck of a message, Bo. I, I do want to have you back on, hopefully, in early January sometime to do our kind of year and, and roundup kind of a thing. So I hopefully we'll get into great. Lady Bird. There's been some trash, but there has been some good movies. I've been impressed. Yes, I, I it was, you know, I, I guess I'm part of the problem, according to most of our Catholic friends, because, you know, I still just love the movies, man. I do. Yeah. Like, what can I say? Oh, yeah. No matter how much trash they put out, there's always, you know, a handful every year that, that change me for the better, I'd like to think. So hopefully, I think this will go down like that, and, I, and uh, you've done a great job defending it. Go out and see it for yourself if you can stomach some seriously queasy violence and <laughs> vulgarity. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it'll Dark definitely, humor. 
yeah. dart. dart. Now, I, and again, some of the hardest laughs. And by the way, I watched this in Iowa, and uh, there was not loads of laughing, but it was me and this other couple in the back, and uh, <laughs> they were Southern, too. Ah, there <laughs> so, you go. Yeah, yeah, so watch, it, watch it with the mind of a Southerner, and perhaps it'll go down better. So there you go, Bo. Thank you. I will have you on again soon, and until next time, I'm the Catholic Movie Guy, and I'm out. Peace.